In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds. Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday, Brett. Woohoo. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And my favorite Stranger Things relationship is Steve and Robin. Also probably Steve and Dustin. Pretty much anybody with Steve. Uh, I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and my fave is the same, Steve and everybody, though I kind of heart Dustin and Susie and feel t- Robin and Tammy has some potential. Oh, a little Dusty Bun and Susie Poo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and I really love Steve, but I wanted to uh, give a shout-out to one of the things I loved about season three, which is the relationship between Eleven and Max. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show, because not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, as a bonus, we give you a shout-out on the next episode. So tell us what you want to see from the show. We love all the feedback. It is upside for everybody. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to mothershippod at usatoday.com. This week, hey, dinguses, your kids are here. Here's a clip. <laughs> you flung that thing like a hot wheel. <laughs> Lucas! What are you doing here? It's them. It's their fault. True, yeah, totally true. It's absolutely our fault. I don't understand what happened to that car. Elle has superpowers. I'm sorry? Superpowers. She threw it with her mind. Come on, catch up. That's Elle? Who's Elle? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm Robin. I work with Steve. She cracked the top secret code. Yeah, which is how we found out about the Russians in the first place. Russians? But what Russians? The Russians! Those were Russians? Some of them. What are you talking about? Didn't you hear our code red? Yeah, but I couldn't understand half of what you were saying. Goddamn low battery. How many times do I have to tell you with the low battery? Yeah, well, everything worked out, didn't it, Steve? Worked out? We almost died. Yeah, but we didn't, did we? Yeah, we were pretty damn close. We are back in Hawkins, Indiana for Stranger Things Season 3, the third season of the popular Netflix series, which launched on July 4. The show once again features our favorite kids, now teenagers, facing threats from the Mind Flayer and the Upside Down. Usual fun stuff. Also a new little threat that popped up, too, this season. Um, All three of us have watched all the episodes, so we're going to dig into spoilers here. If you have not watched Season 3, stop what you're doing and load up Netflix and watch it, and then you can come back and hear everything we have to say about it. It's like eight hours. You can, you can knock it out. Yeah. It's, it's only which, eight episodes, not nine episodes this time. One of the small bonuses of this season was I like that it's short. It's like quick and, you know, on, yeah, yeah. in some respects, it's easy to get through. Season two is too long. It's eight episodes is like their new like season now. It's interesting now. It's gone from like 10 to 13 to 10 to oh, yeah. eight. Mm-hmm. So let's start with our TV guru, Kelly. What were your overall thoughts of season three? I really dug it. Um, it's much, much better than season two, which I didn't really love very much. I found it to be very repetitive of season one, um, from like the villains down to like the beats. They, they repeated a lot of the events, the narration with 
slight tweaks. So like instead of the buyer's house being covered in Christmas lights, it was covered in that big drawing. And uh, instead of all all of them gathering together to build a sensory deprivation chamber, they all gathered together to build an interrogation room and on and on and on. So it felt really repetitive. Um, Season three really took a leap in format, in characterization, in villains. They brought in the Russians as a villain, the Soviets, um, which was a whole new element. Um, there were no Demogorgons at all, just a Mind Flayer, and uh, the Mind Flayer didn't appear the same way they did last year. Um, they did so much better things with both Billy and Max, and Max especially, who I thought was like criminally underutilized in season two and was just kind of there to like cause some tension between the boys. I really liked that both Eleven and Max got a point of view, and we got to see a lot more about like being a girl in the 1980s because we've seen plenty about being a young boy in the 1980s. Um, and yeah, overall, I felt more like a TV show than them trying to make really long movies, which is one of the reasons that I like to call it season three and not Stranger Things three. <laughs> one of the things I like about um, I feel like it's almost like being a parent watching because you see these kids and they're growing up and you have this vested interest in wanting them to succeed and do well. I think that's part of the reason why with this show, it's one of the few shows where I adore every character pretty much. Uh, there is no one that I kind of I find annoying or I dislike or anything. It's like. You know, even Jonathan, like bare minimum, he's a cool dude and I'm fine with him. But I love everybody on this show and I want him to do well. And that's the, one of the things that I've always loved about Stranger Things is just the way I've connected with these characters. And I think this story was really well done. And I thought you were right about the villains just being different. They tried a lot of different stuff. Unless you've watched an 80s action movie, in which case. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Russian. Different them for them. You've seen them before. Of course. But in. But that's the other thing, too. They they took a lot of elements from all this stuff from the 80s, the action movies, things like um, The Thing and all those other movies and, and brought it all together. And I think they melded it really well. And you have this great mix of just the nostalgia factor with seeing all this stuff from the 80s and reminiscing. But they also had a really cool, fun story to go with it. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the fact I think what I didn't like about season two as much is it did a disservice to a lot of the characters because you, you really didn't get... You got to know more about Hopper and Eleven just because, you know, you had a parental relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of carbon cutouts. Whereas this one, it paid off a lot of stuff. Billy was just thrown in as, like, this kind of, like, rando 80s villain in the fir- in that second season, and, like, nothing came of him. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And it, this season paid it off. And actually made you feel for him as well. And I think just across the board, like it does a lot better with characters, the new characters, old characters. You know, I think that's why the season is so special is because not because of the mind flare, not because it's set in a mall and like goes down at the mall day at dead style. But I think it's because we care about, the, like you said, we care about the characters and we want them to succeed. And even like the people we don't like, we kind of like do love them. Mm-hmm. So what did we think of the new villains? I mean, obviously the Mind Flayer played a key role here, but Billy ended up being a central villain. I thought he I thought the performance was incredible. Yeah. You know, there was the scene in the sauna, which I thought was amazing. And then there was another scene, I think, around the midpoint where Eleven is trying to look for him and then he pops up into her brain and then he starts this whole monologue there where it's really creepy and freaky. Um, I just thought he was an excellent villain. And like you said, you you ended up feeling for him eventually once you got near the end of the of the, ser- the season. Um, but Kelly, what did you think of of the villains? So, yeah, I agree with Brian that like last year, Billy just came to be an antagonist for an antagonist's sake. They needed someone to beat up Steve at the, in like the final episode. Um, Steve gets to win a fight this time. Yay. Side note. Um, that was a cute joke that paid off. Um, 
And Dacre Montgomery was very good at being a jerk. Like you, you hated him from the word go. But now you have more of an emotional connection to hating him. And he's a villain with a with a purpose. And he gets to give monologues that are juicy and make sense. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, he did have they gave him a backstory and then they gave him a noble sacrifice, which all tracks with the genre that we're working in. So I was really into that. Um, I really dug the Russians as a villain because it was unexpected because Stranger Things hadn't gone there before. But then once we had it, it was kind of comfortingly familiar. Um, I got very attached to Alexi, actually. I was very upset when he died. Um, Breck Elman as Murray was also more interesting this time around. Last year, he was also just kind of like a device so that Nancy and Jonathan could get together and release documents to the press, whatever. I don't really like Nancy and Jonathan. We can get into that later. <laughs> well, you know what was weird, though? I feel like Murray was kind of trying to do that with Joyce and Hopper, though, where he was yeah, kind of like... matchmaking. Yeah, you need to resolve this by whatever, and they're just kind of looking at each other like, whatever. But it just seemed funny that that was Murray's like go-to all the time. Like, you guys are fighting, well, you need to have sex or something. So, uh, Brian, uh, what did you think of the villains of the series? Season? Yeah, the, the Russian thing I've, I've seen before, so I wasn't... It was familiar to me, but I didn't love it. Mm. I did, I did like that they used Billy to give Mind Flare a face and a voice because I think that's important because the Mind Flare was just kind of like this intimidating, shadowy, tentacled thing. And it's just like, well, that's, you know, and that's one of the things about season two is it, it kept showing that, but it was just like, and it's eerie, but it's not, it's not villainous. Mm -hmm. It's not like, well, what is your point? What are you doing? And we still don't know really what he's doing, but it's more we, giving him a face and a voice through a kid who can act it kind of works because then you you have somebody to like to not like and to like worry about what he what he's going to do to 11 what he's going to do to Steve what he's going to do to all the people we do care about so that's it's much better than like kind of like the shadowy figure and I like Carrie always is like kind of like the you know the weird mayor i think Carrie always is a really good actor cuz he's just a goofy and whatever he does and i think that goofiness pays off in a villain and it's just like he's kind of dumb oh, and yeah. he's very punchable no offense to carry out he's a great actor but he's got a very punchable face even like in princess bride you know like, there's some like yeah i want to punch him sometimes and it's just it's fun it's fun to like you know hopper really like goes after him and you're like yeah hopper get him because he is that kind of mayor you know he's up to no good and you have to punch him a couple times for him to tell you anything and his house yeah, his house. His, cool. his rich house. Did you ever see him in Psych? He plays. Yeah, he was really punchable in Psych. He's really punchable yeah. in Psych. It's not this. It's it's villainous, antihero ish. It's not the same kind of deal that he's doing in Stranger Things, but he utilizes his punchable face to great effect. Yeah, he's kind of like you know, he's like a James Bond type, but like the most annoying, the most James annoying, annoying James Bond type. Um. I love the Russians if only we had that uh, exchange between Alexi and Hopper about the Slurpee and how he wanted a straw, a cherry Slurpee, I think, and he got yeah. a strawberry. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, so, Brian, what was your favorite thing about the season? I think my favorite is actually Robin. Or just like I liked, I really liked the whole Fast Times at Ridgemont High part of it with Scoops Ahoy and getting to know Robin and Robin and Steve and then how they deal with Dustin. And then how, you know, when Erica gets brought in and like, there's a lot of stuff I didn't love about like kind of the main kids and like a lot of the kind of growing up stuff. Like Will just wants to play D&D. It &D, doesn't like girls, you know, everybody else wanting to kind of like have relationships and stuff. I, I kind of got annoyed. I, the, the thing I loved about the season two was Dustin and Steve. 
Because Steve, again, go back to season one, Steve was just kind of like the, the 80s villain that like very kind of one dimensional. We got to know Steve more. And now we got to know Steve more with with Robin and with Erica and with Dustin. So that, that I, I love anything that happened in the Scoops of Hoy I was all about. And I feel like and I didn't know Maya Hawk, who's the kid of um, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. I, th- I, d- I had no idea who she was. And I didn't IMDB her because I didn't want to know who she was until after the after it, because I was just like, we don't really get to see many unknowns just kind of come in and just own something, either a movie or a TV show. And she owned it. Like, you know, she was talking Russian, you know, kind of she was like kind of this cool teenage girl who we didn't really know anything about, but we wanted to know more about her and we got to know more about her. So it was, it was kind of, and then I was like, oh, she's like, oh, I can, you can kind of see once you find out, it's just, yeah. oh yeah, there's, you know, you can see Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke in there. And I just think she's really, she's really neat. I kind of want to kind of want to watch everything else she's done because she is so good at like that role. She's like not really done anything, but what she yeah. has done was Little Women on PBS last year, and all y'all slept on it. I loved it. She was Joe, which is a very intimidating part to take in Little Women, if any of you know the story at all. It's sort of the special quirky sister. Um, and I thought she was phenomenal in that, and um, I highly praised her. And so you all should go, to wa- go watch it. Um, I have no idea where it's streaming. Probably if you are a PBS uh, donor, you can watch it on their website thing. And it's probably on Amazon, maybe, because a lot of PBS stuff goes there. Anyway, watch it. She's good. I'm sure she'll have lots to do after this. I I think, Steve, and a little bit, Billy, it's this continued redemption of the 80s era dick, basically, where it's like. And it's funny with Steve Harrington in particular, because he was he was like the biggest dude bro in season one. And now he's basically like this lovable loser. And. The thing about Robin that makes it great is she's always there to kind of knock him down a peg. You know, she has the board that has the you rule, you suck. And it's got like 10 mm-hmm. check marks yeah. where you suck and and that whole back and forth. But then, you know, watching their relationship develop over the season and then near the end when when she has the big reveal and he's there for the whole way. And I think the fact that, you know, he was just the, the way he's transformed himself as a person throughout the series as a character. I think it's one of the best character arcs of mm-hmm. this entire series of most TV shows. Yeah. You don't see an arc like that. And I feel like um, he's kind of like where Hopper was after like last season. I think Steve's overtaken him just because of getting to know him and kind of where, where he's gone and who he's, who you know, kind of who he interacts with. Because, I mean, Hopper, Hopper has some cool stuff with Joyce and Alexi and, and Murray, and, you know, kind of as we, everybody goes off on their own missions. But we don't get to know anything more about Hopper other than the fact that, like, he's an overprotective dad who can be kind of a dick at times. Steve just is like, you get to know him when he's totally high. You get to, not high, but he, when he, you give him, like, the truth on serum. On high, yeah. when he's on high. Yeah, on high. <laughs> um, when he's on truth serum, you get to know more about him there. And you get to see you get to see that dude do a lot of different things. And he's the best character on the show. Period. And the whole sequence when he's tied up on the drugs, he's like, these drugs don't work. Get more drugs or something yeah. like that. The whole sequence <laughs> is fantastic. Um, Kelly, did you have a favorite thing about this season? Um, so, yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but I really liked what they did with Max. And I also really liked seeing Max and Eleven together and, like, having all these hangouts. And there's, like, there's like a – the mall was a big setting, which is, like, a lot of a nod to Day of the Dead, which takes place in a mall, which is kind of a uh, – 
critique of like 80s era consumerism. This was celebrating it a little more than it was critiquing it, I would say. Plenty of old product placement in there. They're even relaunching New Coke as part of Stranger Things. Side note about New Coke, go read the New Coke article in Mother Jones. It will change your life. It is wild. Anyways, um, but I did really love the cute little shopping trip between them. I liked that because Eleven hasn't had many relationships, period. And the ones that she had had all been with men, um, like men and boys. So like she had like the abusive papa terribleness when she was, you know, a prisoner and abused. And then she got to know Harper and then she got together with Mike and like she briefly went and saw the punk rock eight girl last season. Oh, yeah. But like no one really cares about that. Um, that felt like the the most normal part of her life thus far. Um, and I liked seeing her pick out her own clothes because because Max is right. Like she the only thing she had ever worn had been influenced by other people. And that was a really cool moment. So I really liked that. Um, I really liked Billy and the way they use the mind flayer as a villain. I really liked Alexi. Um as I already said. And I liked the Scoops troop. I thought that was a really fun dynamic. Um, I liked that they kept Dustin and Steve together. They realized that that worked really well. And I liked Maya. So I liked most of it. I'm looking at you, Roast Beef. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what were some things we didn't like about this season? I know that Kelly has talked about Jonathan and Nancy, and I'm kind of on the same thread. But what is it about that duo that wasn't as interesting? I don't know. They're just... They're just boring, like, white bread characters, and they tried to put this, con- this like, class conflict in and, like, layered it with the sexism that Nancy is experiencing at work, um, which felt... Ham-handed? Yes. Thank yes. you. It was, it, was way too, it was way too much. I get what they were doing, but they were, like, flashing neon signs about it. And they sort of, I felt they kind of needed to pick a lane. Like, were they going to have conflict because, like, Jonathan wasn't appreciating that Nancy was suffering? Or were they going to have conflict because Nancy didn't understand that Jonathan uh, is in a lower socioeconomic class than she is? And then they just resolved it without resolving it because, like, the world was ending. So it just didn't really work as a story for me. And I also have just never been very engaged with either of them as characters. And and the show, like, really pushed them together for just cause, just cuz and I don't know if they have like the best chemistry. So I just was like eh with that. I didn't really need to see her get yelled at so many times, you know. All that stuff. But I mean, the rats were gross and I was I thought maybe they were going to go to an interesting moral place when she and Jonathan are in the hospital and they're like essentially trying to kill the men that they work with who are being possessed by the mind flayer and like uh in season 2 they made so much effort not to kill Will. So that was interesting, and then they never came back to it from a moral standpoint. So I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, you know what's interesting, though, is in terms of the whole series, that was probably the most interesting part between the two of them was the whole thing in the hospital. Yeah. They're trying to, you know, they fight off the guys working at the paper, and then it evolves into something else. But, yeah, that was really the only part that was good. I think part of the problem, too, is there were other relationships in the show that were just way more interesting to follow. Yeah. So I think that just kind of made them the odd group out. They're extraneous. They really, the, the, the show would be fine if they didn't have the two of them as characters. They would find another way to get us to see the exploding rats, you know? Yeah. And the whole newspaper thing is just, we saw that on Mad Men. You, you know, we, we've we seen that before. And they didn't do it in a very interesting way. So it's just time filler. Um, what do we think of all the nostalgia and how they kind of blended it into the season? I think, well, here's the thing. So this is the one thing that season one does better than this is 
season one felt like it it was an '80s show, but it was people people in the '80s, and they they were they you know the references were natural, they partook in the culture, but it wasn't the culture itself. The culture didn't drive everything. The culture was part of everything. This felt like the culture was driving the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you you didn't just have you know like things that were homages to Red Dawn and to um, to Terminator. You had Terminator. You had Red Dawn, and you know you had Day of the Dead. I kind of did like the Back to the Future thing because it was like, well, that would have been playing at that point in June of, of 1985. So I appreciated that. You know, that was a bit much. The Fast Times thing kind of works because that was a more universal thing that they could, they could do some stuff with. But the you know, the Terminator thing annoyed annoyed me. And the Red Dawn thing annoyed me. And there was just, it, fe- it felt like very forced. It was just like, we're going to do this movie in this in this sequence or in this bunch of sequences it didn't it didn't feel like it was like part of the 80s it felt like it was just like we're going to do the 80s thing now and i think that's why i like the never-ending story bit it it was kind of like weird when it happened because it kind of it took you out in a a strange way but i kind of loved it because that would have been that would have been two kids singing like never-ending story to to each other I it was it was weird. It was like the it was like if anybody's seen the OA, it was like it's it felt like, you know, the OA just invaded Stranger Things <laughs> for like five minutes because we're gonna have two people just sing to each other randomly. But it but weirdly that makes sense because it does. he talks to his he's talking to Susie and she has no clue what's happening. Right. But then you're you're I think it's meant to make you feel weird because then I think soon after we're all dusted because we're like we don't want to sing this but we're going to and then I think at the same time you see Steve and Robin in the back of the station wagon and the mind flayer creature is chasing them and it's like you're hearing them sing and you're like what the but is that's happening? the OA because it just happens randomly when like danger's afoot and it's just like well we're gonna stop this thing to dance. And that he, is the OA. <laughs> and then there was the other part, too, where Joyce, I think, kind of slams her head on the wall because she's like, are you kidding me right now? We're really doing this in the middle of this. But, no, but what, how about you? Because you you were like me. You grew up, you you know, you grew up in the 80s. So what what did you think about that? All that? Um, I mean, I loved it. It was, you know, I'm, I'm a sap for that stuff. So it was fun seeing stuff like the mall and you see all the stores that you remember as a kid and they're gone or they're, you know, in some form. Um, and I just, you know... <sighs> I loved a lot of the clothes and stuff. Some of that stuff was hilarious. Like the outfits that Eleven and Max had were <laughs> the fantastic. Eleven and Max outfits were pretty great. <laughs> they were hilarious. And like, and you know, the thing that got me was the high socks. I was a sucker for the high socks with the stripes. So every time I'd see like Dustin or Steve with the socks, I'm like, oh my god, it was fantastic. I, I like the trucker hat. The trucker hats yeah. and nice stuff. Yeah. I also love that everyone's hair is improving, but Will's. Will's yes, hair is, we is got, not improving. <laughs> someone has to talk with him about Well, we got to talk about Will just in general. Yeah. Because that, that is the weirdest character. Well, it's because they don't really know what to do with him because he was a MacGuffin in season one without much of a personality other than him being friends and like a, a nice, sweet son who wasn't a jock. Like that's mostly what we knew about him. And then in season two, we got to see a little more of him, but only a very little bit before he got possessed. And so now it's like, well, he misses being a kid. His friends all have girlfriends and he doesn't. And the Internet has decided that means he's gay. And um, he's like, yeah, stuck at like 11. Well, also, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is like me being like old, not like old, but like whatever. I just like I didn't need to see Mike at 11 make out so much. <laughs> They're so young. 
They're so little. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, go off or go. And they don't know what to do with him. They just have him asked to play D&D every five minutes. You know, no. what What his whole point is, is to have the things come up on the back of his head and be like, the Mind Flayer's here, although you can't see him outside. Oh, there he is. You know, oh, he's here because I got the little things on the back of my neck. You mean his <laughs> his Peter Tingle? His Peter Tingle. No, he, but he's like, he's like, um... Yeah, what the thing when you find the metal? Metal detector? No, no, like like the little thing where you're in the sand looking for coins and stuff. Yeah, it's like it's a metal, metal detector. detector. It's the big thing he's that he waves. Yeah, he's the, he is the mind flare detector. That is yeah. his whole point in this show, right? Yeah, there's a funny meme on Reddit where it's the it's the one with the two red buttons and you have to choose one or the other and it's Will and it's him either saying he's here or he's saying I want to play D and D and that's literally it. I wish they leaned more into the I have been trapped in the upside down and I've been dealing with all this for so long. I need to reclaim my childhood and yeah. this all sucks. And they hinted it a little bit because he smashes apart the name. Uh, what's the name of his um, like not treehouse but the little fort thing that he built? Oh yeah, Fort Byers. Yeah, and so they or Castle Byers. Castle Byers. Me. That's it. And they hinted it a little bit where it's like he's struggling. He wants to be a kid again and he can't because all this crap happened. And I wish they did a lot more with that. And they kind of they kind of pushed it to the side a little bit, which is kind of which is a bummer. Well, his mom is off gallivanting around, not really caring about her kids very much until like what episode five or six. She's like, oh, where's my kids at? And like the other kid, like, you know, Jonathan's just like off off on his weird, you know, sexist adventures. And so, like, just Will's caught between everything. Will might as well still be in the Upside Down because he's just kind of, like, there. Joyce is trying to figure out what's going on with all the magnets in town. So that's pretty much was kind of how she started for the longest time. Um, Should we do the spoilers? Should we jump in? I think we should talk spoilers. Okay, this is a super-duper spoiler. So if you have somehow hung in there, great. And if you've some reason listened to this and haven't watched it, please do not. Please just pause right now. Um, All right. So... The last episode of season three ended with kind of the explosion of this device that the Russians were building to try to open up a gateway into the Upside Down. And Hopper has this big fight, and he's in the room with it. and Fighting the Terminator. Fighting the Terminator, Russian Terminator dude. And then it blows up, and he's still in the room. Is he dead? My vote's no. No. Because they're playing out Star Trek three, Star Trek two, and Star Trek three. Yeah, I mean, it's just dumb, though. I hate it. I hate when te- television does death fakeouts. I especially hate that television does death fakeouts in a post-Jon Snow world because it's very clear that you can't actually fake it out. Everyone knows. And we didn't, you know, like they showed other people's bodies disintegrating and they didn't show Hopper's body disintegrating. They already faked it. Like, it wasn't really a fake out again because we knew, but they already pretended that Eleven was dead. And they were like, no, nah, just kidding. She's not dead. Um, I hate that it cheapens death. Death on television can be some of the most emotional, well-written scenes. And seeing people like go through grief can be really beautiful art. Um, and trying to do like a cheap fake out is dumb and boring the show would be better if they let stayed him dead but i don't think they're going to one i mean no but they they don't even fake it out though i mean the end credit scenes are like well you know don't get the american even though we've called him the american again before i mean it's it's obvious he's sitting right there in russia we know that i mean it's just like they're not even trying to fake us out uh before we get to hopper and stuff kelly you're talking about the rules you know you've talked about rules of tv and stuff like that and i think this gets into the death thing because with bob newby in season two and then with billy in season three 
they had their clear moments when they died of this is them dying. And then with something like Eleven or then with Hopper here, where it's clear to the audience that, oh, he looks like he's dead, but you're pretty sure he's not. So I think they've kind of established kind of what a real death means on that show. And I think they've given it weight enough where you can kind of spot the difference. Um, But as for Hopper, are we sure that's him? Because I've heard other thoughts on that. Yes. Who else would it be? Who else is the American in Russia? Would it be the doctor, though? How do they know about how do they know the the doctor from season one? Matthew Modine's character. Doctor. Was it Brenner? Is it Dr. Brenner? It was Dr. Brenner. Did he die? We didn't really see him die. See, that's the thing. But they're not. But who cares about it? No one cares. I mean, no one even mentioned him in the in the in this thing. You had Paul Reiser come at the end, but why would they bring back Matthew Modine? No, because Hopper was called the American by the by the Russians earlier, the Red Dawn Russians. So he's they wouldn't make that reference way early, and then you didn't have the American they're talking about at the in the end credit scene of a TV show in a Marvel world. It wouldn't be Matthew Modine they'd be talking about. So we're certain it's Hopper. In the I mean, I, I would, what, 88 percent, 92. You know, I, I, it's, I, I would imagine it would, it's Hopper because, again, you don't see a body. You didn't have the death scene. They're going to if they're going to kill Hopper after all the dad bod dancing and all the stuff that they've put in that thing. If they kill any main character in that show, it is going to be friggin overly dramatic. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think Hopper's dead. I just wonder. If that's Hopper there or if Hopper's somewhere else, like I. They should have Hopper in the upside down because then half of the, you know, we've seen like a little bit of the upside down. They should spend half a season in the upside down, at least. Just, just, you know, blow out your special effects budget or something. You know, you got, you got Netflix money. You can do it. I mean, I want to see that. I don't want to see like the Starcore Mall again. But I, I feel like, I mean, I, that would be better because having him be in the upside down, then you're like, then it really would be Star Trek three because oh we gotta go you know gotta go to Genesis it's mine Spock search for hot yeah <laughs> but I mean putting him in Russia is just like well how that's gonna happen was he gonna fight his way out of Russia and then like get on a plane in 1985 Soviet the Soviet Union Kelly what do you think I think Philip and Elizabeth Jennings are coming to save him no I'm just kidding um. so I didn't see the uh, end credit scene initially because it wasn't provided on my screeners but um. So I thought he was trapped in the Upside Down when I just saw it without having seen that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope they do something interesting. I don't know. I am always looking for TV shows to surprise me and follow characters. So we'll see what they do. Um, I mean, it really begs the question of how long the show can last. I think Netflix wants it to last for a long time. What with their latest 40 million tweet... Yes, exactly. Which Kelly has is absolutely a huge fan of for the record. Love it when it's they now say 40. 40. 7, though. Oh, 40.7 so different than 40. But no, this brings up an interesting point though with the upside down. Is it possible that he ends up in Russia because he was in the upside down and since cuz they show early on where the Russians were able to get in there, do they retrieve him and then that's his way back to Indiana? Does say, that seem too crazy? Early on, you have them making a point about talking about gates. And how gates gates connect each other, and they connect to the upside down. It was like overly like you know we're gonna hammer this into you so you remember it, so you have so you can speculate about it later about like okay well how did, how will Hopper get back? 
Yeah, I mean, he might he might end up in the upside down again because we already have you know we have that what it was a it was a demogorgon that the Russians also have. So you're imagining that like they they have at least they got at out of the upside down. So maybe they did get Hopper out of the upside down too because we don't know what he looks like, where he's been, how long he's been there. We don't you know we really don't know anything. So yeah, I mean it's possible that like he he switches on the gate, goes in the upside down. They then they figure out he's there or something. They like do a whole like ghost thing where he like maybe they, they make pottery and like they're like he communicates with them. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it that's going to be the next season is getting him back. But that's how they should end it. Just end, I mean Kelly's right. They, you know they got they got have their forty million viewers every season. You know that first weekend. But, you know, it needs to end. Okay, let's look ahead to season four. I'll start with Kelly. What are some things you're looking for? Um, I think I need. I think somebody needs to die for realsies who is not a supporting character. I mean, it would be really hard for them to kill one of the kids. So I think... Oh, I think Will's going to die. Will could die. There'll be, a, there'll be a kid dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially now that they're getting older. I think it's easier to kill them off. But... Um, I just, you know, the fact that they just keep all surviving against the odds works only for so long. Like, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief. And obviously, they have a superhero on their side. Well, not right now. Her powers are MIA yeah. for now. Um, but it is like, come on, like, they almost died like 20 times. So I feel like someone needs to die. Um, if they are going to run the show for longer than one more season, I would like to find supernatural threats that aren't from the upside down. And it would be a leap, but I don't think it would be a gigantic leap because, you know, if you accept that there's one alternate dimension, there could be more. Um, There could be a multiverse. Uh, Oh, God, I hope they don't go that way. No, I mean, yeah. I just mean that, like, I think, you know, we've got the Mind Flayer, we've got the Demogorgons. What else is there? And I think there's there's a, like... I call it like the Dalek problem, which is like the fact that you have these villains who you think are really cool and like you just want to keep going back to them because they're cool, they're recognizable, you know, you know, like they can kill you a bunch of different ways, but it starts to get really dull after a while. So, you know, I if they want to expand the show, they have to expand the world or they could end it next season. I think that would be natural. I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, this the streaming wars are a coming and Stranger Things is based on the data that we've seen from Netflix and from independent review. Stranger Things seems to be their biggest hit. Brian, what do you want to see? I mean, I'd like to see it end. Um, we need to learn that stories need to end across the board. I think TV shows go on too long. I think people need to understand that like, it's okay for, for you know TV shows to get canceled for stories to end. I think that's a lesson people need to learn. And not every canceled TV show needs to have a freaking social media um, petition to to get it renewed. Sometimes things end, you know, and I think hey, that's a good lesson to learn for kids and everybody else. I wouldn't mind seeing just one more season just to be like, get Hopper back. Happy ending. If you want to do Stranger Things 5 with a new cast of characters, I think that's fine. Four seasons with a bunch of teenagers is fine. We don't need to see him go to college. We don't need to see him, like, you know, graduate, have big chill moments as a 20-year-old. I mean, we don't need all that. You know, if you want to end it at one final thing at the hotel at prom, you know, them versus the mind player, then boom. 
There so you you're go. saying you don't want to see them in their 40s barbecuing hot dogs and raising <laughs> no. their kids and all that. No, I don't need to see all that. You know, we have it. We don't need another it. I'm wondering if they're going to lean into the whole there are other 11s out there, basically, because they did it a little bit in two. They have a comic book series about it called Six. So Yeah, I, I do wonder if it they would go back to that. felt wasted in season two. I thought that's what the season was going to be all about. And then it was like, no, just side adventure to keep 11 from Mike for a while. No, but that's, that's what they're setting up spinoffs. Yeah. And I think that's fine if they want to, like, have six or eight or four or three, you know, end up in, like, Phoenix or, you know, and, like, they have to deal with the upside down there or something. I, I think that's fine. And I think that's what they, that's what they did. I mean, that's the whole reason for that is to set up, set up spinoffs because cha-ching. Again, with these kids, I think, you know, just one more season and just kind of move on. Well, there you go. Uh, okay, listeners, it's your turn. Have you seen Stranger Things Season 3? Did you like it? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23 I'm at Brian Druitt. I'm at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S. Don't forget, you can send us email, too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Uh, that'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, special thanks to our pilots slash producers of the Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, how about you leave us a rating or a review because it helps other people find the show and we love the feedback. It's greatly appreciated and everybody wins. Uh, if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud or Stitcher or pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, until next Friday, nerds out. Later. Bye. Bye.